Long. Way outside for the three. It's good. He got it. It's good. Season for Texas, they finished 34 and 0. The number one ranked team from beginning to end, winning their first NCAA championship. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Texas 24 podcast on the Dave Campbell's Podcast Network. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again, both in the state of Texas, is Ishmael Johnson. Ish, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you doing? You're back in Texas, man. Back. I'm back. I'm in the 2-0. and I can finally like buy tacos again. I can, you know, <laughs> like buy, buy some Texas food, hit Whataburger, hit Bill Miller's down here. Oh, uh, well, they have Whataburger in Louisiana, technically. They're actually building yeah. a new one right next to my apartment. So oh, you know, man. I'm, I'm That's feeling trouble. good. Hopefully it's built by the time I get back there or maybe in like <laughs> December. But yeah, it'll, it'll be it'll be nice. Uh, it's nice to be nice to be back for a couple of days and then yeah. head right back for LSU and A&M on Saturday. There you go. Um, but yeah, we have a, a pretty, pretty good slate of games to talk about. Um, you know, talk, going to talk about Texas and Tennessee women's game, uh, just a thriller over there. Uh, then we got a couple other ones. We're going to talk about the Maui tournament with Houston and, and Texas A&M both in that. Then we're going to answer some of y'all's questions at the end. Uh, we asked for questions on Twitter. If you don't follow us on Twitter, it's at DCT basketball. So we'll probably do a couple more of these mailbags, you know, maybe like every other week or something just to get some of y'all's questions in here. Um, Cause y'all sent some pretty good questions. So um, yeah, check us out there for that. All right. Ish. Let's talk about the game of, I guess the weekend slash however long since our last podcast, right? <laughs> um, the Texas and Tennessee women's game. Yeah. It was an awesome game that Tennessee ends up winning 74 to 70 in overtime. And I have like a good amount of takeaways from this game, but I'll, I want you to go first. So that way I can kind of bounce off your thoughts there. Cause this was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think that one, this game showed the continued upside of this Texas team that they were able to go to Tennessee. And really, I mean, especially that third quarter, it looked like they had pulled away and looked like they had, you know, really separated themselves. And of course you come away impressed with Aliyah Mataru and Rory Harmon, just absolutely kind of working that, working that offense and being kind of the go-to players. And then towards the, down the end, you, you kind of saw the inexperience of this team. You kind of saw them fourth quarter give up. I think they're outscored 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I'll let you go, but I want to kind of dissect that last shot that they had. I mean, that was kind of a poor at the, at the end of regulation. Um, they had the ball tie game and they had a chance to really get a good look. Uh, Liam Matharu takes a step back shot and it kind of gets blocked and they end up going to overtime in Tennessee. You know, they hang around for a little bit, but the offense kind of stagnates in overtime. And you kind of saw they couldn't they didn't really have I think Tennessee switched to like a matchup zone as well. And so like. Texas really didn't have an answer for that. And so I think that's something that uh, I'm not a fan of uh, moral losses or moral victories or things like that. But I think that's something Vic Schaefer can take with him and say, okay, here's a weakness that I can see in this team now. 
and I can take that and practice that. And like, we can actually maybe dissect a little bit of that. It gives them some good coaching material, I would say going forward. Yeah. Uh, basketball might be one of the only sports, especially college basketball with obviously the way the tournament that you have the tournament, it might be one of the only sports where I'm like, okay, moral victories are actually like a thing because mm-hmm. of how many games, like, I don't want to say don't matter, but don't have an impact in how they're going to play at the end or how the end of the season kind of goes. And this is sure. one of those where I don't think we're going to look back on this and be like, wow, man, if they just would have beat Tennessee, they would, you know, really would have had a good season or really could have turned it around. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The way that this game went, and Rory Harmon ends with 10 points, 11 assists, 8 rebounds in 38 minutes. Aliyah Matharu, 27 points. Matharu just, I I don't have the exact box score in front of me, but it Mm -hmm. felt like she shot like 8 of of 12 from 3. That's just what it felt like. It was was 5 of 7, 10 of 18 from the floor. Yeah, like that's insane. (laughs) I was just like, she's not missing. She's not missing at any point here. And... The defense in the third quarter, the defense for really the first three quarters, I thought was amazing. But that third quarter, especially where they pulled away four steals, they pushed Tennessee to be late in the clock, late in the clock, every single possession. Their full court press was working. It was the Texas defense that we had hoped would continue. Mm -hmm. And it did. And it's just like everybody on the team knew their roles on both sides. It's like, all right, I'm going to be. Um, the aggressor, like, I mean, Joanne Allen Taylor, all Audrey Warren, both just super aggressive, know their roles on offense. I do agree with you. I think the zone kind of gave Texas some fits there when I don't think it should have. It wasn't like an mm-hmm. overly aggressive zone. It wasn't a zone that did anything special, but it just forced other players to make plays. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of, I mean, that's kind of the point of the zone in, in some ways is to make other people make plays and they just weren't quite able to do it. But I was, I left that game extremely impressed. I thought, I wish, you know, they could have gotten maybe more from some other players because it really was just Rory Harmon and Leo Mataro. But I just think that's what this team is going to be. I mean, you get, I don't think they can win many games in a shootout. Sure. But I don't want to call this a shootout because through four quarters, Tennessee only had 59 points. Right. And then in the overtime, they scored 15 points in five minutes. So, you know, defense doesn't do them well there. But, I thought through three quarters, they completely outplayed Tennessee. And I thought this was going to be a, I honestly thought they were going to blow them out to at a, at a certain point, I thought I thought it was going to be like a 15, 20 point win, but the defense is here to stay. The defense is going to put them in, in every single game. And Tennessee started hitting some really tough shots towards the end of that game. I mean, all credits to Jordan Horston, 28 mm-hmm. points. They end up with four players in double digits. They just started making shots and you kind of just tip your cap to them. Tennessee or Texas ends up shooting seven of 23 from three, uh, 31% from the field as well, 64% from the free throw line, you know, outshot in every category and out-rebounded as well, um, mm-hmm. not on the offensive glass, but uh, just on the overall glass. So uh, here's another stat. Tennessee had 15 blocks. Texas had one. So I'm just like, you know, you just go through it and you're like, it's, it, it felt a lot like um, the – it fe- felt a lot like the Texas game we saw against – Stanford to a degree, except Tennessee made those important baskets late. Yeah. I think that you look at uh, one of the other key stats is Texas. I thought Texas had, uh, I didn't realize how many steals they had. They had, let me see. They had 15 steals in this game. 
Right. They forced 24 turnovers. And that's going to be, I mean, that again, that's what Rory Harmon did at Cy Creek. And that's, that was like her thing was like, she's so athletic that she can jump the passing lanes. And I mean, we got a hint on it. You know, we don't know the status of Audrey Warren now going forward. Yep. That's going to hurt. Um, she left the game, I believe in overtime. She left, she got, she left the game hurt. I think um, fourth quarter and overtime runs together for me. So I right. Right. I think it was overtime. Um but yeah, like that's, that's your best defender now. And we don't, she was helped off the floor. She didn't finish the game. Um, we'll see what her status is. <clears throat> it didn't look great. Um, I'm hoping that it might've been a stinger of some kind or, you know, some type of short-term injury, but um, yeah, it, if there is a player, I feel like who, you know, is who could work her way back, it would be an Audrey Warren. Cause that's kind of, you know, it's kind of her, her style is kind of conducive of putting her body in the way of making collisions and things like that. So like yeah. it, 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 it wouldn't shock me if like, she's the type of player that is, that can brush off something like that down the line. I hope so. Cause as much as this team is kind of systematic defensively, they do need her as kind of that big cog um, kind of as their key defender. Uh, another key stat was, Despite those 15 steals and 24 turnovers, they only had four more points off turnovers, excuse me, seven more points off turnovers than Tennessee. Tennessee had 12, Texas had 19. Um, so I think that Texas maybe didn't capitalize as much as they would have liked to off 24 turnovers, as opposed to Tennessee capitalizing on 14 turnovers. So, you know, yeah. well, uh, I do want to kind of hint at that last shot I was talking about. So, they had uh, Texas had the ball, I think, with uh, 16 seconds left. Uh, Tennessee hit a shot to tie it up. And Rory Harmon, I think that was inbound from the from midcourt. Uh, let me see. I actually have it right here. So Rory Harmon has it from midcourt. And I think she makes the right play. Audrey Warren sets a pick. She kicks it to Aliyah Matharu in the corner. Aliyah Matharu pump fakes, gets her defender up. The Tennessee defender, credit to her, she recovers really well and basically blocks the shot. Uh, they get the ball. It's five seconds, but it ends up going overtime. I think, I think Aliyah Matharu shot a little too early because yes. I'm looking, there was about eight seconds left on the clock. And the way I'm looking at it, when she's pulling up, if she, if she pump fakes and drives, I think Rory Harmon's fla uh, 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 flaring to the corner. And I think um, uh, Joanne Allen Taylor's on the other side, on the other wing. So I think if she collapses the defense, she, there's something there to be kicked out. And again, she shoots the ball. I'm looking at it right now. Ten seconds are left, so it's not like she needed to rush to kind of get that shot off. Yeah. But again, this, that's me sitting here, not in the moment. You know, she probably thought that defender's pump fake. Boom, that defender's up the air. I'm good to go. But again, great recovery by that Tennessee player, and she ends up getting a, a hand on it and blocking it. So yeah, my my problem, my only problem, my well, my biggest problem with that was it was too early. You know, if right, right. nothing else, you can't let them get the ball back there. Yeah, it has to be, it has to be last shot, or you know, you shoot it with three, four seconds left to where you can get an offensive rebound. Yep. Shooting it that early was really my my base strong because I thought Tennessee was going to come down and score. I thought and, so too. and in the game, so I thought that was it was a wrap at that point. That was that was probably my biggest uh, takeaway from that one. Yes. Um, I don't have anything else on this one. Do you? No, uh, like you said, I think that uh, you know, you, you kind of want this kind of game to happen now um well before conference starts before you know it was a good team a team that you know that you can beat right um on the road in a good environment and so you take this and you kind of say okay we know we can beat this team we know now that we have a little bit of issue with the matchup zone we know that 
Rory Har- that's something that Rory Harmon's going to have to work with. That's something, you know, you're going to have to work with your post players. Uh, if that's Ebo or whoever comes in for Warren to kind of be a zone buster a little bit um, to kind of work your way into that to where you don't, you don't stall. I'm, I think they shot when Tennessee switched, they shot 18% in the fourth quarter. So four of 22. So they really, that, that zone really hurt their shot creation. Um, Texas was without Aaliyah Moore and uh, uh, Kendall Hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this one, so that's at least something there. Liam Moore is obviously kind of a uh, someone who I project to probably be a starter mm-hmm. um, in this team usually. Um, and it had and it forced you know Texas didn't play anybody off the bench over ten plus minutes. So yeah. in a game that went to overtime, so we'll see how how that kind of plays out moving forward. Uh, on to our second game here. Uh, you got your eyes on this one: Texas Tech and Texas State women's. Uh, it was a game that we were kind of interested in, and mm-hmm. it looks like in the second half, Texas Tech just pulled away and uh, led by Riley McKinney's 15 points and uh, Kajia Fay, uh, I don't know if I said that right, Kadija mm-hmm. Fay's yeah. uh, 22 points on nine of nine shooting from Fay. Yeah, this one, this one was this one, it was close at halftime, and I thought that what I was impressed with was Tech's ability excuse me, was to brush off kind of that second, the second quarter in particular where Texas state looked like they kind of had them. The other thing I liked was they kind of stopped. I mean, she finished with seven, she finished with seven assists, but I think that they did a pretty good job on not letting Kennedy Taylor initiate as much as she wanted. Um, and I was curious about the numbers on that looking back and she, she only had a, let me see. She only even ended up having a 19% usage percentage, which is not what she loves, right? That's for her, especially for her, who's one of the leading point guards in the country in assists. And so they did a really good job of stopping her. Um, They forced, I mean, Denasia Hood did not shoot very well from the floor. Ja'Kayla Bowie, Jonah Johnson. I mean, it was just a great defensive effort. I do want to hit on Riley McKinney because... 15, I mean, again, this is a player who played six games last year, right? Based more or less coming in as a college freshman in terms of like uh, development. I mean, she's been in the college system, so she's been working out and has trainers, things like that. But as far as on-court experience, she's basically still a college freshman. And then Lexi Hightower comes in D2, experienced college player, but D2 nonetheless. And they put up 13, 15 and 13. Riley McKinney is still the leading scorer for Tech because Vivian Gray slowly working her way back. Um I think uh, uh, Krista Gerlich mentioned after the game that there, it was kind of an injury she picked up. She came back uh, the game before. I couldn't remember who they beat. Um, she played big in that game. Then she picked up another injury. That's kind of uh, it's kind of day to day. It's not as serious. Yeah. I don't think they're too worried about it. But uh, he didn't play at all. So they're being led by Riley McKinney and Lexi Hightower, who are players that we've talked about being you know kind of interested in seeing how they come along. And they're playing great. I mean, again, I, I, I want to plug Justin's article on Riley McKinney and how she's been, how they're using her through a couple of games so far, three or four games now. And it's been, you know, uh, Khadija Faye obviously has played a big mark in this game, but for, as far as the season goes, like they're relying on a player who only only had six games under her belt heading into this year. So, yeah. Um, T- Texas State isn't the biggest team, but yeah, and we've talked about that before. Whether it's Jada Reed or um, Denasia Hood, both are solid players. But a, at six foot four, Khadija Fay, and again, I didn't watch the game. I'm just looking at the box score. I'm assuming mm-hmm. nine for nine from the field. She was kind of able to get to her spots kind right. of easily. Yeah. Um, and this Texas Tech team talked about before the season. Get Vivian Gray back. Um, 
I, I, I like this team's makeup as far as just balance goes. And I think if McKinney, I wasn't expecting Riley McKinney to come in and be this good. Sure. That, that was another thing. I was like, I was like, okay, she played six games last year. Like how good can I realistically expect her to be? Um, no, if she's putting up even just like 12 a game, 13 a game, I think this team has more than enough talent to go alongside her. Like not even mm-hmm. saying she's like the star, but like there's enough talent on this team to where, all right, we can start talking about this team as like a middle of the pack, maybe upper middle of the pack, big 12 team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that I was, lost my train of thought for a second. Cause I was going to, I was going to bring up, um, Oh, I, I think that now missing Vivian Gray's helped during, in the beginning of the season. Cause they're having to find a way, right. They're having to find a way to lead without their all conference score, uh, without their leading score, without their experienced player. And they're finding different ways. They're finding different players. So now, okay, when she comes back in, hopefully, you know, she can be a little bit, they can be less reliant on her. Right. And so by the, they're not, I think that this uh, new smaller injury, I think it says something that Krista Gerlich was confident enough to not rush her back. Right. That they're saying, you know, we're clicking right now. They're why force anything. Let's have her, let's save her for conference, which, Again, I think this is a big 12 conference that at the top, obviously we've had questions about Baylor, but still, you know, this still, as far as like the outside of the top two, maybe three now with Texas, um, there's still some, that middle of the pack is still kind of more or less wide open. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Khadija Faye, kind of her shot selection. Honestly, I just think that her, I, I don't, in terms of the one-on-one post game, I don't know if Texas State just had the had the bodies to 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 compete with her. She it was a lot of easy looks for her inside. Yes. I think they didn't do a good job of denying her in the post. It was a lot of like when she got the ball, it was pretty deep positioning, and she was just able to kind of uh, lay it up. So um, um, it's something to work on for Texas State. But I I come away just more impressed with Tech. Last thing I have on Tech is not only Vivian Gray but Brianna Scott's out as yeah. well, and she she missed the Weber State game the game before that. Um, I think she's missed. I don't think she's played this year. I, I glanced over the stats, but she definitely yeah. missed the Weber State game as long as well as this game. And that's someone who I I had written down as a starter just going into mm-hmm. the year, um, just because of what she did at Arkansas Little Rock. So you know that's, and I I, I saw a little bit of their post game press conference on Twitter. Just like there were they were talking about being able to do this without Vivian Graham, for Amber Scott. So I mean they mm-hmm. clearly think of those two as being contributors on this team. So um, I'm interested. You have my attention, Texas Tech, because that is a solid Texas state team mm-hmm. uh, that you were able to pull away from there. So yep. we'll see how the rest of this non-conference goes. Um, real quick, I have some notes on SMU Missouri. Uh, I was able to watch a decent amount of this game. It was kind of on and on, uh, on and off for me uh, mm-hmm. at times. But let me pull up the stats real quick as I do it. But just from a general standpoint, in the first half, it looked like what I was worried about when we looked at this SMU team. Like when we looked at the box scores, right? In the first couple mm-hmm. of games, we were like, all right, SMU's not really clicking offensively. It doesn't look like they're really firing all cylinders right now. Um, and it showed they were out physical. Uh, Missouri looked like the more physical team, the stronger team, the team that kind of took it to them on defense. And it looked like an SMU team that whenever they were faced with that level of physicality, what didn't know how to attack. And that's obviously not good, but I was like, they have enough talent here. I feel like they can figure something out here. Sure. And they had 11 points in the first 14 minutes. There was just 
a lot of those communications, like after the play, like after a turnover or on a dead ball, something where they're like talking, they're like, oh yeah, no, you need to cut here. You need to screen here. Like, you mm-hmm. know, just that type of stuff. And so that's where I was like, okay, they're not, they're really just, they're really green right now. They right. don't know exactly what, where they are, where they're at. Um, and once that penetration was really cut off, it was tough for, for guys like Kendrick Davis and Zach Nuttall to really get going, but give, give SMU some credit here. They fought back. They fought yeah. all the way back and uh, led by Kendrick Davis, who ended up with 29 points on 10 of 15 shooting, four, six, and three. And Missouri kept, they weren't being nearly aggressive enough on Kendrick Davis. And Kendrick Davis continued mm. to take advantage of it. He only had three assists to five turnovers, but the way he was able to shoot the ball got them back in it. Um, Bandamel ends up with eight. Zach Nuttall ends up with eight. Uh, they uh, Marcus Weathers ends up with 13, 13 on three or nine shooting. It wasn't a great shooting performance. They ended up shooting 42% from the field, but mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I left that game feeling a lot better about SMU after in the second half and overtime than I did early on, because early on I was just like, all right, I, do I have to sell this team? Like, is this team really right. that bad? Like, uh, I mean, you can't, Missouri's not a very good team. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think that Missouri is a, you know, upper echelon or even mid-tier SEC program. Right. So, and I think by the end of the year, SMU will be better than Missouri, but they end up losing to Missouri 80 to 75 in overtime. So I, I, I left that game feeling better, still not great, but you know. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's a work in progress, right? Um, I think we're, uh, as, as the schedule gets a little bit more interesting, right. They, of course, I think they lost to Loyola Marymount, which is they're a better team than Missouri um, lost by six, I think uh, SME did. Um, but I think that we're still true. Th- this was kind of what we expected, right. From this team, this collection of talent that just kind of got thrown together. I mean, Tristan Clark's still not starting, but he's playing starter minutes basically. Yeah. Um, and so I think he'll work his way into the starting lineup. Zach Nuttall's worked his way into the starting lineup um, after coming off the bench. So, I think by the time conference rolls around, I'm trying to think of uh, December 29th is when they got uh, Tulsa. And I think they'll be a lot better then, um, especially because the AAC, again, outside of Houston and Memphis, it's not that great this year, right? Wichita yeah. State's not Wichita State. Um, Cincinnati's taking a step back as well. And so I'm not too worried. They got Sam Houston coming up. Uh, they got UL Monroe, UNLV, Vanderbilt. I think those are games they probably should win. I will say uh, SNU is up to 77th in Ken Palm, which is pretty, pretty good for this time of year. Um, the one thing I don't, yeah, go ahead. Ken Palm, I don't, for me, I, I love Ken Palm, obviously. Right. Uh, they, it feels like to me, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Mm-hmm. They pre rank everybody and they give everybody a certain score going into the season. Sure. And so I feel like it takes a long time for those scores to kind of adjust, balance because, out. Yeah. Cause we've seen like, for instance, Dayton. Go look at yeah. Dayton's like results because North Texas plays Dayton pretty soon, or they mm-hmm. might play Dayton in the tournament. They've lost to like teams in the two hundreds, and they're like mm-hmm. one and three or something like that, and they're still they're like still... one thirty. And I'm like, right. this team should not be one thirty right now. So, anyways, but right. yeah. that's just that's just something I, I saw. So I'm, I'm yeah. factoring that in. But I, I yeah, still no, do believe fair. in SMU, like like you said. Yeah, I do too. I think it's just kinks working out. So yeah. All right. Uh, let's go to the. Let's go to Hawaii, which is actually yeah. the Maui tournament is actually being held in Las Vegas. Yeah, which that's... I, would, 
if I, if I would have known that I would have made a trip to Las Vegas uh, instead of here, instead of, <laughs> I do appreciate that. Uh, I don't know if you saw the, uh, A&M Wisconsin game, but, uh, Buzz Williams had hit the whole A&M staff had like Maui shirts on like the, the Hawaiian shirts. And I'm like, yo, what do y'all, did y'all have to wear those still <laughs> the broadcast? The broadcast was still doing the whole bit. They had the little, uh, screen behind them with like the beach behind them. I love that Dave Pash and uh, Jay Billis. Uh, I think after, uh, didn't I think I don't know if it was another game I was watching, but I felt like there was some people like dancing in like a tire to it. I'm just like, yo, y'all don't, y'all don't gotta do this. Like, like just walk across the street to Caesar's Palace. <laughs> it's like all these, yeah, no, oh, you, know, you don't have to do this. But anyways, uh, I do like the flower uh, key they got going on there. Yeah, that's pretty cool. cool. That's pretty Design. cool. Um, you watched some of AM Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I watched like the last two minutes of AM Butler and. Ish, they were trying to take away from AM's win over Butler. Um, I think I mentioned this to you before the pod. They said yeah. Butler was down like three players. And I was like, how dare you? You know, Someone come that, that is a juggernaut Texas AM team. They were going to beat them regardless. <laughs> that you is a dub them. either way. What you talking about? That is a dub either uh, way. What, what have you seen from AM uh, just uh, in the Maui? Yeah. So I saw in the first half, especially against, uh, they started really hot against Wisconsin. Um, so hot that honestly, I, I switched over to another game and I did not know that they lost. <laughs> I looked at, I looked back at the score and I was like, yeah, and they, they beat a pretty okay Wisconsin. Oh and then uh, I, thought I was talking to my boss. He's like, no, no, they lost. I was like, what? I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? They were like shooting the lights out. What do you, what do you mean? Oh, God. Um, they should have known really, that. You should have known, right? I know, right? Um, but no, I, long story short, we've had a lot of questions about this AM team, a lot of questions. And I thought they came out in that first half, uh, particularly uh, that first part of the first half and looked really solid. Like legitimately, I was really impressed with um, their shooting. Andre Gordon, I think I had questions about him kind of being one of their go-to guys. He went three of five from three. Uh, Quentin Jackson went three of six from three. He's the best player on their team. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I, I definitely agree. With and he that. comes off I, the bench. Right. No, I, 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 I kind of don't, I don't mind that balance though. Yeah. I don't mind it. I mean, um, yeah. But yeah, I came away really impressed with AM. Uh, of course, like I said, the, the end of the half, uh, it was 35 34, I think. And uh, Wisconsin ended up coming back into it. And then they go, uh, then they go on the win, outscoring them by 10 in the second half. But I came away, they shot, AM shot 50% in the first half. Like I was really impressed with, uh, let me see, seven to 13 from uh, three point yeah. range. <laughs> And again, they just went cold from three in the second half. They just started uh, Wisconsin's defense picked up a bit and then started turning the ball over a little bit more. They finished with 16 turnovers. Um, but again, there were some questions. There were so many questions about what is this AM team, which is weird because Buzz Williams is more of a defensive coach and they were a lot, they were pretty good offensively. And that's kind of what I was more encouraged by. Yeah. Um, but I mean, what are they? They're five and one now. I mean, you know, they're not playing the toughest schedule right now, but like you mentioned, they beat uh, they beat a, uh, uh, a Butler team they should have beaten. They played pretty well against an okay Wisconsin team. Wisconsin's not a juggernaut this year, but I'd say they played pretty okay. And I'm really intrigued by this TCU game coming up on uh, December They could 11. play Notre Dame uh, tomorrow. They play no- yeah, that's true, in the Maui. So I don't know. This team's – they're intriguing now. I – I don't know if I'm buying, you know, we, we were having a little, uh, uh, Go ahead, buy around it. with buying and selling, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Well, I'm going to wait to that TCU game and depending on, I'm not saying win or lose, but depending on the result, close loss or whatever, 
I might buy low, buy low on this AM team while we're while we're still while we're still questioning I, I think, them a little. Bit. I think you could have bought them even lower. I mean, you could have bought them after like that that close win over uh, ACU. You know, beating Corpus Christi after an ugly first half. That's uh, fair, yeah. AM Kingsville by four in an exhibition game. I know that's what I'm saying. Like it has not. That's why I'm still very hesitant because it's not been Maui's a decent test because they're playing better teams, but. They were not playing good teams to start the season. No. Um, and I should, I mean, this is an unranked Wisconsin team. They're like on the fringe of top 50 in Ken Palm. Yes. So again, it's not the best, but we'll see, right? Well, I, um, there are, I'm I'm being a little bit more optimistic now than I was heading into the season about this AM team where I was like, I don't know who's a go-to player. I don't know what they're working towards. I don't know what's kind of happening. Yeah. We'll see. Um, man, if you would have bought AM after that exhibition win over AM Kingsville, I would have been like buying Bitcoin in like 2015. <laughs> right, just and just rolling under. <laughs> I will say, so I'm going to throw some numbers your way that I'm just looking at right now. Uh, 38th in uh, effective field goal percentage defense, 15th in turnover percentage defense, uh, 17th in non-steel turnover percentage defense, and 31st in steel percentage defense. They're pretty good. They're starting to they're starting to do some things, right? Again, a lot of that's inflated when you play some teams that are some better, bad as the teams they've played. But I like the encouraging sign so far we've seen in Maui. No, you're right. You're right. They're gonna have to play defense because I still don't think they can score. But um, all right, let's go to Houston because Houston played the same two teams mm-hmm. as AM and they had well, they they had the, the the opposite results. Am I yeah. Wrong? Oh, well, yeah, actually, no, well, they beat Butler just like AM did. Okay, yes. And then they're all oh, the same results. So. Okay, uh, completely <laughs> wrong. They had the same results as AM. Sorry. Uh, yeah. They beat a bad Butler team. I, this is in my notes. I have written down bad Butler team just because this is that's what I saw. They're, they're a bad Butler team. <laughs> a bad Butler team. Uh, no disrespect to AM again. Uh, yeah. And then they lost to Wisconsin. I watched probably three fourths of that Wisconsin game. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of takeaways from this from a Houston perspective and mm-hmm. Houston this year is a really interesting team because last year it was so clear as to what they were. And last mm-hmm. year it was like, all right, they do this, they do this, they do this, they rebound, defend, uh, isolate on offense pretty much outside of a couple, you know, drives from Quentin Grimes. It's like Houston is still like this Uber athletic team that can defend really well, can take you out of your stuff and then run in transition kind of like they did last year. But this year when they run in transition and I, I had, I was going to look up Kim Palm to see if the, how much faster their tempo was than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels like when they're in transition this year, it feels even more lethal than it mm-hmm. did last year. Like I, again, maybe I'm overinflating that in my head, but it felt like every time they got out on the break, it was a bucket or they were getting to the rim. Right. And Kyler Edwards uh, spearheaded a lot of that. Um, I thought that the bigs did a good job running. I I thought I was, I mean, Marcus Sasser, I love Marcus Sasser. Um, again, I was bullish on him coming into the year because I was skeptical after the tournament. But sure. if he shoots the ball, if he shoots the ball at a high level, they're tough to beat. They're really yeah. tough to beat. So I feel good about them in transition, but they are a team that more than probably 98% of teams in the country, and 100% of teams in the country say this, but this mm. is, true for them more than almost anybody else their defense is basically their offense yeah like their defense has to fuel their offense and that was the problem in the first half against wisconsin when they got they were down 20 Mm -hmm. um and i don't know if i if i said this they end up losing wisconsin 75 73 have a chance at the end to tie it but they're down 20 at halftime because wisconsin comes out and makes shots gets back on defense sets up their 
sets uh, gets back and sets up their defense. And Houston in the half court is still just very, very shaky. Sure. The second half, they force turnovers. They force misses. They're able to run, and the result is a complete comeback. They never led in the game, but they had a chance to, to tie a couple times, um, and they just couldn't do it. Yeah, I think, I mean, Houston, they make you play ugly, right? They make you, they, if you, they make you settle for bad shots. And if you drive the lane, it's going to be, they're gonna, it's going to be hell, basically. Um, to your point, I mean, Wisconsin finished with nine turnovers. I said, uh, I'm sorry, okay. I said 75, 73, 65, 63. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wisconsin only had nine turnovers, right? Compared to Butler, where they, uh, Butler had 20. And so that's kind of, again, that's Houston's bread and butter. They force bad shots. They force you to turn the ball over and they get going. And that's kind of where a lot of these players are, are, are thriving a bit. And when they, when they take that away, you know, and again, I believe Tremont Marks, I believe working his way back. He's not, I don't know if he's hundred percent healthy yet. He's still coming off the bench. Um, he played 17 and 14 minutes. So yeah. I don't know. Jamal um, Shedd looked good though. I will say, I, I, I think I like Jamal. I think, I think Tremont Mark's a better player, but yeah. I think Jamal Shed is a better player with Marcus Sasser and Kyler Edwards. I think that, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I felt that way. And this is just something this year because um, Tremont Mark missed first couple of games. And then uh, every time I've seen Jamal Shed run that offense, I think he, I think it just helps so much more having another creator. Cause I think Tremont Mark's a better scorer. Um, but having somebody else there, to handle the ball a little bit, a little bit like a, a Dejan Giroux last year, yeah. um, to just take the pressure off and not have those two guys, Edwards and Sasser, having to handle the ball so much. Um, that Butler win was really impressive because it felt, I mean, this score, let me see, what was the final score of that one? It was, uh, I have right here, 70 52. It was not that close. Like it really felt like Houston was up by like 30 at one point. And that's kind of why uh, that's kind of why I had to look up like how good is Butler this year? They're not very good, but it, it's still an impressive like squashing yeah. to that. It got to that point that they were just like, is this even a game right now? Um, and when course, Houston is rolling, yeah. when Houston is rolling, they look great. Like they're it, it, yeah. fun to watch. Right. Exactly. When they're, and then it, the best to me, the best part about Houston more than any other team, even more than Baylor last year, when Houston's rolling, like you, you can't get back in the game, right? Like you, it's like with Baylor, they just, uh, last year's Baylor team, they just kind of, it's kind of an avalanche, right? They just, yeah. they hit threes, they defend you. And then you're just like, ah, I don't know what to do totally. with Houston. It's just like, you go in the paint and like, you're just going to get hit and you're going to, you're going to take a terrible shot. And then Houston's like, okay. And the, <laughs> especially when like in the half court, they're not, they're not running the prettiest offense. So it's just like a street fight basically, where you're just like, they're forcing a bad shot. If Houston gets a bad shot, they're getting an offensive rebound, putting it yeah. back up. Like it, you just feel like you're getting bullied a lot by Houston. Um, and similar, I mean, again, it, it, that's a systematic thing with, with yeah. Kelvin Sampson, that that's something they, it's wild how they literally practice, like just like fighting for those loose balls and making the game sloppy. Um, but like you mentioned, there's like a little bit added dimension of like more entertainment this year. I don't know what it is, but it is. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm still really impressed with Houston. I think who knows? Maybe Wisconsin is a little bit better uh, than we thought. If they beat this Houston team, um, they're, they're probably still up and down because, I mean, notoriously, Wisconsin's obviously a really good program. Um, I think Houston has a chance to get Oregon, I think, or St. Mary's in the Maui. They're playing right now. So, yeah, I think oh, they're they're probably, right now? they probably play the loser of that game. Okay. So, yeah. I think they play the loser of that game. So, um, I'm, I kind of hope it ends up being Oregon because I would like to see that game. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about Houston. They got a pretty easy non-conference schedule until they play Alabama on the 11th of December. Um, so that'll be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, last thing, uh, Reggie Chaney, Fabian White look really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Juwan Roberts looks good. Uh, Josh Carlton transferred from, I believe it was UConn, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, big, big body uh, yeah. comes in, plays about 12 minutes for them against Wisconsin. I thought he was really solid. Front court looks good as ever. The difference is this year you have Sasser, Edwards, even, I don't know how to say his name, Taze or Taze. I thought on the broadcast they said Taze, and I was like a mm-hmm. little thrown off. Whatever. Taze Moore. Uh, yeah. Played 16 minutes, went over six shooting. But even him, I kind of trusted with the ball in his hands. So I was like, okay, they got guys who I trusted with the ball in their hands. Last year, I didn't. So mm-hmm. that, that's a big difference for me. So yeah. uh, good results. Uh, Wisconsin did have Johnny Davis, who went off for 30 points. So it was kind of just like, throw your hands up. Like, all right, cool. It's one of those games. One of those. These weird, um, these weird showcase and tournaments are always – they always have like a random result like that where you're like – Right. Unless you're a top, top team, you know, usually like some top 15 ish team loses to whoever. And you're like, that's, that's weird. Okay. Whatever. You just right. kind of brush it off. But. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, those are all the games we have um, at the moment. Obviously there will be plenty more. I will we'll talk about in our next podcast, but we asked y'all for questions on Twitter. Like I said, at the start of this podcast and y'all came through, y'all have a good amount of questions here. And I think we'll just start with, I'll start at the top in no particular order, I guess. Um, John Fields asked, which Texas team men's will do both one men's and one women's uh, is the most underrated right now. I can't lie to you. Ish, I haven't thought about this that much, Yeah, but let me, let me pull up my spreadsheet and look at. Um, so a good let's just, right let's now. run through it here. Sure. What are some possible candidates for underrated? Cause the, I'm gonna go for women's. I might go tech. That's I might go. I might go tech right now, just because you know Texas is hot starred. Baylor is gonna be Baylor, even going outside of the state. Iowa State's obviously gonna be in the mix for the Big Twelve. I don't. I feel like Tech's that next team. I just do. I feel like, especially. I think TCU hasn't been as great as we thought. Their starts have been kind of a little slow, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but. Tech's been pretty solid. Again, their their competition hasn't been incredible, but again, they squashed a pretty solid Texas State team that I think was going to compete in the Sun Belt. Um, so I I'm liking, and again, they're two they're without their arguably their two best players or two of yeah. the highest score, uh, leading scores. So I, I I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking Tech right now. I'm wondering if people aren't talking enough about how Tech's doing without their best players. I got mine for the women, and mm-hmm. this is a game I didn't watch that I probably should have watched uh, from Saturday that I heard was just an amazing game. Uh, the game itself was North Texas and UT Arlington. And mm. it goes to overtime. I heard it was just an incredible game, you know, mm. last second shots, ties it up and everything like that. Uh, UT Arlington ends up winning. Mm-hmm. And UT Arlington is my team here. So we, they lost to Baylor to start the season. They lost by like 30, 27, mm-hmm. whatever. Then they go and beat Sam Houston. They beat Houston in, in overtime, which we talked about in the last podcast. Then you beat North Texas on the road in overtime. Mm-hmm. Those are three wins that look pretty good to me. Like those solid. are three significant wins. Yeah. And because A, of how good we thought North Texas was going to be and probably is this season. Mm-hmm. Houston as well. We thought both of those teams to win. If you would have talked, asked me before the season what I thought they would have done between these first four games, I probably would have said one and three. Sure. Three and one. UT Arlington, I mean, they look like they've they figured out again. I didn't watch that North Texas game. I kind of I wish I did, but 
Um, Daisha Benjamin, 20 points. Star Jacobs is legit. Nine, mm-hmm. uh, 19 points, seven boards. Um, I trust her a lot. Claire Chastain, I said this on the last podcast, they're a really balanced team. Chastain drops 15. Taryn Milton, who had 26 against Houston, only has eight. Katie Farrell with her st- normal stat line of seven, seven, and six. Like, I the these the starting five for this team I I love yeah so UT Arlington is is my uh is my uh, underrated pick uh, on the women's side do you have a do you have a men's pick yeah I was just looking it up I was trying to decide between two teams for me oh okay go 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 with yours uh and I don't know which one here uh it's either SFA or ACU Okay. Okay. I like those. Okay. Oh, uh, but who did you have someone in mind? Who Who were you gonna say? Flesh yours out a little bit. I'm still. I'm still deciding. Oh, gosh. I'm still. I'm still. I'm still deciding. What, what, as well. what, what are you thinking with both those teams? So, let me actually check on the SFA Buffalo score because Stephen F. Austin was beating Buffalo last I checked, Ooh. and that's the same Buffalo team that beat North Texas. Yeah. In Denton here. So, uh, let me pull up the score. I think they won. They did. They won by one. Whew. That's oh, a hell of man. a result. That's, oh that's a significant result here. Um, SFA, Gavin Kensmill, 20 points. Uh, Calchet, uh, Kachel, I can never say his name. Um, David, David K drops 15. Um, a really balanced scoring effort. Again, I didn't watch this game, but I watched Buffalo play North Texas, and Buffalo is a really, really, really solid team, mm-hmm. like a team that I think would be one of the best teams in the WAC, pretty and probably Conference USA. Uh, one of the better mid-majors. So that's a significant win for Stephen F. Austin. I saw that result at halftime. I saw Stephen F. Austin was up by 10, and I was like, okay, let's monitor that. Then we get on a podcast, and I forget to mention it, and lo and behold, they end up winning. Okay. That's a hell of a result. So just based on that result alone, because then they go and beat Middle Tennessee. Um, South Dakota State's a really solid team. Uh, They lose by 12 to them. Not really any other results otherwise, but Mm -hmm. that result alone, I'll I'll put them in in that conversation. I think I'll agree with SFA, but I want to throw one little bone out too. And the, the results have been mixed, but I'm looking at their numbers. I'm looking at how I remember I saw a little bit of one of their games and I was kind of impressed with it. I'm going to throw a little bit of bone out to Joe Golding at UTEP because here's the thing. They're playing defense. This group of players, again, the, the, the collection of talent or the, 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 the non-conference schedule isn't tough, right? But they're top 50 in turnover percentage, top 50 in offensive rebound percentage, top, uh, I'm trying to say 59th in steal percentage, uh, top 90 in non-steal percentage. Those numbers were like 100, 200 last year, right? Yeah. So I'm kind of seeing a little bit of encouragement. And they played New Mexico State, so it's not like they like played a bunch of nobodies. New Mexico yeah. State's really good. Um I cut they actually they actually have New Mexico State coming up again, which is interesting. I think I guess it was a showcase. Um uh, on December 3rd, they have another one, but I like that Joe, I mean, he said that, right. That's the brand of basketball. He wants to play. He wants to yeah. bring, I think the offense will be there regardless. So I, it, the fact that they're playing defense pretty okay so far, I don't know. I think SFA is my underrated team, but I didn't know. I wasn't sure how yeah. that defensive uh, experiment was going so far and so far. So good. Keep your eye out there. So are we just going to ignore the offense side of the ball with them? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Look, that offensive talent. We don't need to I talk about we'll... the last game that they just played against UC Riverside. That I, the tweet I sent you. Right, but look at that score though. That push, score is a is an ACU score. Fifty fifty nine to forty. That score is an ACU score. Like again, 
that, he's not known for offense, <laughs> Matthew. They shot, they shot one of 24 from three. He's not known for offense, no, Matthew. Please, Joe, just score a little bit more. I th- um, trust me, I'm not worried about that offense when it comes to this, when it comes to that team. I'm just like, look, if he can win with Joe Pleasant throwing up hook shots at, at all six five. I was about to say all six five at Joe Pleasant throwing hook shots, jump hooks. I think he'll be okay with this team eventually. Okay. So. I just want to make sure. Uh, also, I'll throw a bone out there. Texas Southern continues to play every team they play close, and that's incredible. Like the only double digit loss they have is to Oregon by seventeen. Yeah. I know Ken Palm's kicking their butt, but it's like I don't man, give what a do you damn want them about what do you Ken want Palm them? right now. I know that's about to say like, what do you want them to do against the schedule? I was talking to my friend the other day. I was like, how would you feel as a player on that team? Like on that road trip, I feel like I'd just be like taxed and they're continuing to fight with NC state with BYU tomorrow. Like (laughs) they're fighting with these teams. What more could you ask? This is incredible. Yeah. Incredible. They they still got BYU, Florida, Cincinnati, TCU coming up and then they go to their slack schedule. And I don't even like, again, I I, I don't want to spend too long on this, but yeah. And this isn't to, to bash, I don't even, I don't even, I probably shouldn't be this, but Prairie, Prairie View has a very similar schedule, obviously, right? Yeah. It's not easy. They lost right. to Texas Tech by 35, lost right. to Grand Canyon by 30. Like, that's how difficult it should be. Texas Southern mm-hmm. to be playing these games at single digits and be winning a lot of them uh, at halftime is crazy, crazy, crazy. Hell of a job, Johnny Jones, yeah. uh, over there. So give him Ken credit. Bomb, get some adjustments to, the, to those numbers, man. You can't, you can't be ripping them for giving up some of these numbers against Come the on. schedules they're playing. So. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, all right. We won't spend much, we won't spend that long on every single question, but good question, mm-hmm. John. Um, all right, real quick, let's let's kind of rapid fire these things. Yep. Uh, Travian asked, "Can Houston get back to the Final Four, men?" Say no. I, I think that there's there's a lot more questions about this Houston team, and I think that the top of the country is just so good. It's deeper this year. This year. It's deeper. And so you had a, you add Texas probably back into that mix. You add Kentucky probably back into that mix. Tennessee. I just think that Houston's. Bro, I don't know. I think I think unfortunately, and I don't know. Again, I don't know how the bracket will break, but last yeah. year they got a really great break for the bracket. Happened to get them to the uh, to the final four. I don't think it breaks that well for. Them I'm not year. sure. Yeah, like I, I've already seen Villanova, Purdue, Gonzaga, and UCLA play this year, and yeah. Texas obviously. And I'm like, okay, those five teams are like, like Illinois last year and Michigan were good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if those two, the Illinois, and Michigan from last year, are as good as those five teams that I just right. named. And, and let's not, and I want to, I want to harp. Remember again, that was an accomplishment for Houston. Great job for them, but Cleveland state, Rutgers, Syracuse, Oregon state, that was their path to the final four. Yeah. I don't think they're going to get that easy one uh, this year. Yeah. I still feel like 50, I feel like 15 to 20 is right for them still though. I think 15 to 20 in the countries about right for them. I don't think they're the yeah. 12th best team in the country, but I think they're 15 to 20 somewhere. Yeah. Um, I right, appreciate the question. Uh, Steven asked, uh, who's the best shooter on the Baylor bears uh, men's, and is that person also the best shooter in Texas? I think he asked this question knowing what the answer was uh, to me. And it is uh, James Akinjo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's LJ Cryer. I'm sorry. LJ Cryer. Really? Okay. Still. L- still. LJ Cryer is, uh, I mean, I, I watched the game against Stanford and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, LJ Cryer can shoot. Like the, the shot is about as pure. It's like Marcus Sasser-esque in terms of, uh, how much I trust it. He's mm-hmm. attempting six and a half threes a game and shooting them at 54% through four games. Man, 
that's a that's a good point because last year it would have been between Flagler and Meyer, right? Or yes. Mayer. Yeah. Um, but they haven't been shooting the ball very well this year. They have a lot more on their plate this year. No, true, true. I would probably go with Flagler um, still. But, again, I believe him and Mayer are both shooting like 20% to start the season. So it uh, hasn't Flagler's been great. at 36%. Okay, so Flagler's at the uh, Mayer. I know it's been struggling a, a bit Yeah, um, from three. But I would probably go with Adam Flagler right now. And the best shooter in Texas? Oof. I can't answer that. I, I can't think. say. I'm going <sighs> to – I don't know. I feel like it's up there just because I can't name one better right now. I have to go through my um, off the top of my head, and I feel like if there is somebody clearly better, I should be able to say something off the top of my head. Um, so um, I don't know. Again, I'll, this I'm if to... maybe towards conference will have a better answer to that. But t- taking what I know from that last year into this year, I wouldn't hate saying Adam Flagler probably might be at least top three in the state. Um, I'm just going through the teams. Baylor, we, we just went through. Texas, I don't think has anyone I'd consider for that. Texas no. Tech, I don't think I'd have anyone there. SMU, Kendrick, Kendrick Davis is – he can – Nope, I, I think I got it. Okay. I who, think it's Caleb Asbury. What a, what a homer pick. Whoa, what yo, homer what you, pick. 40% last year? He's shooting 53% from this three this guy. year. Don't uh, even. I will not allow Texas State to run this podcast, fans. Don't worry. He's shooting 53% of five and a half attempts. I'm Don't give go. me that. I'm it's gonna Caleb go. Asbury. I'm gonna go. Let's go. All right. We can throw him. Here, we'll have a top five. We'll have a top five. All right. I'm not going to include the Baylor guys, even though, because I think um, – I think uh, – who did I just say? Uh, Cryer? Cryer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cryer. I'm learning new players' names. I think Cryer is probably the best statistically. Let's just go yeah. with him. All right, so we have Cryer. I think Kendrick Davis is top five. Sure. I think Marcus Sasser is top five. I think really? Okay. We'll, we'll, throw, we'll throw Caleb Asbury in there. Yes. And then I think you go with one of these – I think you go with either Travis Evie from rice oh okay okay that's a good one or i'm gonna throw i'm gonna throw my own homer pick out there tyler Perry for north texas is lighting it up right now okay like absolutely i don't have his stats in front of me but i've watched every game of theirs and he is uh he's shooting the hell out the ball right now so that'll be my five or six so i'll say to answer the best uh, to answer the one in texas from last year to this year i would not be opposed if somebody said adam flagler (laughs) Let's just put it that way, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't know if the, I don't know if I could say definitively right now. Uh, by the way, Tyler Perry shooting fifty six percent from yeah. three off five on, attempts. So yeah, over five from three. So, um, based off last year to this year, again, more on his plate, things like that. I wouldn't be opposed if somebody said Adam Flagler was the best in the state. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Um, I don't think we missed anybody in that conversation. We probably did. Uh, yeah, off the top of my head, no, I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for your question, Stephen. Uh, good conversation there. Um. Scrappy76 asked, will North Texas beat Kansas on national TV on Thanksgiving? 1.30, tune in, ESPN, Invitational. No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. Close. All right. Um, I don't know what the spread will be for that, but maybe they can keep them. Maybe they can Uh, muck it up a little bit. And Jalen Wilson's coming back for that game too. Like, like why can't just Jalen just sit it out for a second? You don't need to right. play this one. Chill. No, he's got to play. He's got to play the hometown team. What you mean? <laughs> right. That's that's true. <laughs> um, Ashley Pickle asked, "How badly could I beat you one on one?" Ish. 
All right, why'd you gotta bring that? Why'd you gotta answer that one? Come on, we could have left that one out. Uh, uh, you're, getting, you're getting smoked. Oh, jeez. Uh, Ashley has Buenos. me with the handles. I'll surrender that. Ashley has me with the handles. Um, but but let's get to the block. Let's get to the post. All right, all right. Let's let's see how it works in the post. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just a saying. Great question. I'm just saying. Let's get to the block. <laughs> all right, I got pickle. Um. 11 what? bro 11, what seven. there you go bro what is this <laughs> wow this is what i get for having you letting you do this podcast with me and all this stuff jesus all right this, all right i think the that's the last all... episode we're ever doing I think... <laughs> I think that's all we have i'm trying to think i i think that's all i have written down um yeah, like i said i, I watched too. baylor play stanford but really nothing to take from that yeah. um i was impressed with Kim- kendall brown um, offensively, mm-hmm. defensively, mm-hmm. he did look shaky. Kendall Brown, yeah. though, on offense is legit. So that's something to watch moving forward. But they play, they play some actual teams in a couple weeks. And no offense to Stanford, but y'all suck. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, um, we didn't hit on a, a Baylor women versus uh, Maryland. Um, Ashley Wusu's. I couldn't insane. watch it. You couldn't watch it. It was on. It was on. What, what channel was it on? It was on Big Ten Network. Oh yeah, it was like on the Big Ten. Yeah, it was really dumb. It was on the. I I had uh, uh my parents came. Oh, uh, you, I oh, you got it. But um, oh. it was a great game. Ashley Owusu. Nobody could guard her. Unsurprisingly, um, I will say that was one of that was another game where the defense is. I'm not gonna say a problem, but it's more like that kind of score doesn't happen last year probably, and I feel like the length on the perimeter in particular isn't there this year for Baylor to where, you know, they could really stop some of the shooting. Cause I believe, let me see. And they only shot six to 20, but a lot of those are pretty good looks I thought for Maryland. Um, again, Ashley Obusu finished with 24. Um, again, somebody who Baylor just could not really stay in front of. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I think another problem, I mean, the same problem that we're going to have with Baylor all year is their depth. Um, they, they basically only played Caitlin Bickle and Jay. No one's off the bench. Um, every starter except for Queen Agbo basically played over 25 minutes. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't too discouraged. I think Maryland's, of course, one of the best teams in the country, but uh, I wanted to hit on that really, really quickly. Yeah. There you go. All right. That's all we have for y'all today. Again, uh, we appreciate everybody that sent in questions. If you want to send in questions in the future, follow us on Twitter at DCT Basketball. Probably do that every other week, maybe, um, sure. you know, once every three or four podcasts, get some questions in here. Um, or if there's a shortage of games, we'll probably ask them, ask for questions as well. But we appreciate all those. Uh, leave us a like, um, follow us on wherever you're listening to the, the podcast, send it to a friend, all that good stuff. Uh, you can follow Ish on Twitter at Ishmael R. Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. We really appreciate, appreciate y'all listening. Uh, if y'all listening to this before Thanksgiving, uh, have a good Thanksgiving. If you listen to it after, uh, hope you enjoyed the food. But for Ishmael Johnson, I'm Matthew Bruni. Thank y'all for joining us, and we'll talk to y'all later.